I encourage you to follow along. I'm going to be going through a lot of scripture this morning, but I'm trying to go through a series of sermons preaching on uh, the Christian life and how it relates to a soldier's life. Because once you become a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, you become a soldier of God, a soldier of Jesus Christ, a soldier of Christ. And uh, the, a lot of the soldier's life that he lives in a military relates to a Christian life. But this series of sermons is not just trying to relate this stuff to a soldier's life. It's to help you live the Christian life. Because it's really hard to live a Christian life. It's, it's the easiest thing to do the wrong thing. It's real easy to do all the wrong things. Trust me. It's easy to say the wrong things, to act the wrong way. That's real easy. The hardest thing to do is to act the right way, to, to talk the right way, to live that Christian life. It's really hard to do. And we found out through this study and through this preaching that we have a battle going on. We're in a war. And you've got three enemies in this war. You've got the world as your enemy. You've got the devil as your enemy. And thirdly, which a lot of Christians don't realize, is you've got yourself. <laughs> You're your worst enemy. And what that goes back to is you've got an old man. If you're a born-again believer, you've got an old man. That's called the flesh. And that old man, it hates everything to do with God. It hates everything to do with the Bible. It, just, it wants to live wickedly. It wants to talk wickedly. But when you're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes in, Christ dwells in you, and now you become a new man, a new creature in Jesus Christ. The Bible says it's a, put off the old man and put on the new man. And that's what we've been studying. How you put off all those old ways of doing things and allow the new man to do the things. Now, when we talked last Sunday, I was preaching, we talked about, I was preaching about the soldier's walk. In Galatians chapter 5, and a soldier's walk is he walks in the spirit and not in the flesh. And it's a walk that we're doing. Look at Galatians chapter 5. Look at uh, verse 22. And in this walk, as, as, I, as I preached on this walk, what I showed you, one of the most important aspects of Christianity that I don't hear enough of it talked about, is that you are not doing the works. The works are done by Jesus Christ in you. And I preached and preached and preached about how you need to stop trying to do the work and say, I can't do it, Lord. You need to humble yourself down and say, Lord, I can't do it. But you, Jesus Christ, in me can. I can't stop doing this sin, but Jesus Christ, you in me can. I'm a sorry, no good sinner. I'm rotten. I'm no good. I, the old man is no good. But the new man, you, Jesus Christ, you can do this. And you need to get out of the way of the new man and push the old man out of the way. Paul says, put off the old man and put on the new man. And that new man has nothing to do with the old man. In other words, you don't get mixed in with what God's doing in your life. You just allow God to work through you. And I, it's kind of a strange, when you never heard it preached, but it makes sense when you study the Bible that, yeah, Jesus Christ is doing the works through me. Look at verse uh, 22. Most Christians know about the fruits of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit, now notice as we read through this, the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Those are not the fruit of the flesh. That's not the fruit of the old man. That's not kicking. Kigan's not gentle, I'm not peaceful, I've got anger, I've got bitterness, I don't have love. But Jesus Christ in me, the Holy Spirit in me, He can produce this out of me. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace. And See, that's Jesus Christ working through you. 
The problem with Christianity and Christians is we don't allow the Lord to work through us. We try to do it ourselves, see. And we think, oh, I'm good enough, I can do this. I, and then we stumble and we fall and we get mixed up into sin and all kinds of wickedness. And we wonder, well, what, what am I doing? And then we even sometimes question if we're saved. You're saved. You're just not allowing Jesus Christ to work through you. Look, you're a child of God. Once you're born again, you can't become unborn. You know, we've, so you might have a parent that doesn't want to claim you, but it doesn't matter. You're their child and they have to claim you. Amen. All right. But the fruit of the Spirit, we know what those are. Verse 23, meekness and temperance. Against such there is no law. Verse 24, and they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. And I want to preach on that this morning, but I want to close out in verse 25 what I was preaching on that last Sunday. If we live in the Spirit, verse 25, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And I want to close out what I was teaching on last Sunday in those verses, that verse right there. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. And I've been preaching all that Sunday. Sunday I was preaching all that Sunday about walking and walking and walking. And you put off the old man, put on the new. But the question comes, how do you do that? How do you walk? Yeah, I know we need to do that, but how do we walk? Well, look at Colossians. Colossians chapter 2. Keep your finger here. Keep your hand here in Galatians, but turn ahead to the right. Turn ahead to the right to Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. And Paul tells us how we should walk, how you walk in the Spirit. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. Now, I tried to warn you, I'm going to be turning to multiple scriptures this morning, but don't believe a word I say. Read the Bible and find out for yourself. See, I, I'm just a pre preacher. I can lie to you. But this book's never going to lie to you. Amen. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. That, that verse right there tells you how to walk. How did you receive Jesus Christ? Did you receive Jesus Christ through works? No. You received Jesus Christ through faith. You put your faith in somebody you've never seen, you've never heard, but you just had heard about. And you heard about it and the Holy Spirit convicted you and you, you were led by the Spirit to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And how you did that is you put your faith in the precious blood of Jesus Christ. You put your faith in the cross of Jesus Christ. You put your faith in that, right? So, as you have received, therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord by faith, so walk ye in Him. Guys, brothers and sisters, you're only going to be able to do this by faith. Amen. It's a faith process. You're going to have to by faith say, Lord, by faith, I don't want to walk with the old man. I can't do this, Lord, by faith. I'm going to trust you to work out of me. I want you to, I'm yielding and I want you to work out of me. Jesus Christ said, I am the, I am the vine, you are the branches. You know what the branches do? They hold the fruit. They don't do anything else. They just allow the vine to get the juice to the fruit. Amen. You're just a little branch. The Holy Spirit produces the fruit. Jesus Christ is the vine. He said, without me, you can do nothing. Amen. Same John 15. So what you're trying to do is you're trying to walk by faith. Say, Lord, I'm going to put my faith in you. I'm going to allow you to work in me and yield to him. And yield to the Holy Spirit and yield to him. And you yield to him by faith. Rooted 
Look at verse 7. Rooted and built up in Him. Jesus is our vine. We're rooted in Him. We're not rooted in the world, guys. You're not rooted in the media. You're not rooted in science. It doesn't care what science says or the media says or the world says. You're not rooted in them. Let them talk. Let them, let them talk a big game. They always want to talk and talk and try to convince you that you don't have faith and you shouldn't have faith. Don't listen to them. You're not rooted in them. They haven't done nothing for you. <laughs> Professors and teachers and scholars and science and all that, they have done nothing for you. And what they have done for you is the wisdom God gave them through doctors. And I give God the glory for the wisdom He's given the doctors to do what they do. But we're not rooted up in that. My root is Jesus Christ. And I, I, what does that mean? That means I put my faith in Jesus Christ, rooted, rooted and built up in Him. He's building me up. He's creating something. He's got a new man, and he's working out of me. Look, look, I know Brother Kiggett is not a very good person today, but boy, you should have seen me 20 years ago. And God's been working with me and building on me and building on me, and I'm a lot better Christian than I am today than I was 20 years ago. I'm a lot better Christian today than I was 10 years ago. Friends, I'm a lot better Christian today than I was a year ago. He's, I'm rooted up in Jesus Christ, and it's a slow building process. Amen. Because I'm a slow learner. <laughs> and I get over here, and I can't stay up, and I, I mess around with the old man and, and start feeding the old man and the old flesh, and the whole time the Lord's working over here trying to get me back over here and say, I want to do something in your life. Let me do something. And I keep messing it up. Rooted and built up in Him, and established, look, in the faith. We're rooted and established in the faith of Jesus Christ. Notice, notice, not in the feelings. You're not established in feelings, guys, because your feelings will change. Your feelings associated with your flesh, the old man. <laughs> your old man wakes up sometimes, your old man has a sore back, and he don't feel very good. But that doesn't change your faith in Jesus Christ. Your old man wakes up, and your wife or your husband, you've been fighting with them, and you don't feel very good. <laughs> That don't have nothing to do with the faith you have in Jesus Christ. You don't rely on your feelings. The root is not the feelings. Because those will change. Those can, be, those, can even be a, those can even be affected chemically. Some people chemically, their brain will cause them to get depressed. We know that. And chemically, sometimes they have to take some kind of medicine to keep their, their brain chemically right because their feelings are associated with the chemicals in their brain. We're not associated with feelings, Christian. We're associated with faith. We put our faith in Jesus Christ. Your feelings will deceive you. Haven't you felt like somebody loved you and liked you, and then you find out they were stabbing you in the back? And the whole time you were convinced with your feelings that they loved you or cared for you, and, and then you find out they were stabbing you in the back. Feelings will deceive you. Faith will never deceive you when it's put into Jesus Christ. Put your faith into Jesus Christ, okay? Go back to Galatians chapter 5. So we're going to preach this morning and look at the soldier's duty. The soldier's duty. I've talked about the soldier's walk and the soldier's boot camp and the war we're in. And I, this morning I want to preach some on the soldier's duty. And that's found in verse, chapter 5, verse 24. Here's the soldier's duty. You're a soldier. You've come through boot camp. You're trying to live that kind of life, or the soldier's life. And then verse 24. And they that are Christ's have crucified the flesh with the affections and lust. 
I want to talk this morning, preach this morning on crucifying the flesh. That's a soldier's duty. A soldier's duty, you can't as a soldier return back to civilian life. Once you become a soldier, the civilian life has got to take a way back over here. It's all about your duty to your commander and to do what you're supposed to do. And that means waking up and crucifying this flesh. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. Because if you let your flesh live strong and you let this flesh get control of everything, it's got affections and it's got lusts that go against the new man and go against God. You see that in the world. And you've got to get control of this flesh because the flesh don't want to do what God wants it to do. And you've got that battle. We talked about that. Here's the flesh. Here's the spirit. You're feeding one or the other. And they're fighting against each other. You've got to take this flesh, guys, and you've got to crucify the flesh. Look at chapter 2, Galatians chapter 2. Paul talks about this a little deeper in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Man, this is, a, this is a hard preaching because nobody wants to do this. Any Christian worth their salt knows what Jesus Christ went through on the, on the crucifixion, with the crucifixion. It was painful. It was, it was sorry. I mean, it was, it was one of the most horrible ways to die. And the Bible tells us, that's what you need to do with your flesh. <laughs> and we, what do we do with our flesh? We do everything we can to take care of our flesh. We, we comfort our flesh. We do everything we can to take care of our flesh. And the Bible says you need to crucify it. Now look at verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ. Just like he was crucified, I'm crucified with him. Nevertheless, I live. If you get crucified, you die. He said, but I, I'm, not, I'm not dead, I'm alive. Well, how are you alive? I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Guys, this goes back to what I've been preaching about for three or four weeks. Listen, you want to take off the old man and put on the, the new man. You want to get rid of Kigan and you want Jesus Christ to work in you. So what you're trying to do is you're trying to crucify this flesh, get this flesh put down, kill this flesh, make sure this flesh can't control things so Jesus Christ can work through you. The fruits of the Spirit, the fruits of righteousness by Jesus Christ, Philippians 1. It's all by Jesus Christ. In other words, anything I do that's good, it's not Kigan doing it anymore, the old man. It's Jesus Christ in me. If there's anything you like about me in the Lord, it's because of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not because of me. Listen, talk to my wife. <laughs> She'll tell you everything about the old man. My wife can tell you everything bad about me. But I need to try to let the Lord Jesus Christ work out of me. Oh, my wife knows the flesh way too well. That's the old man. Because, see, the old man will come out sometimes. I don't keep him crucified. But Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live it, look, by the faith of the Son of God. I'm walking, Paul says, and I'm walking, and I, Paul's not walking anymore. Paul's crucified. Paul's dead. And I'm walking in Jesus Christ, and Jesus Christ, I want him to work out of me. I want him to live out of me. I want people to see Jesus Christ in me. Don't we all do that? Everybody in the world does that in a certain sense. There's a certain way they act behind closed doors, and then when they go out in public, they act a certain way. It's a Christian life is the same way. Our Christian life, we've got this flesh, and the old man, and we're trying to keep it beat down, and we don't want people to see Kigan. I don't want people to see Kigan, the flesh. I want people to see Jesus Christ in me. 
Because if, if I can allow Jesus Christ to work in me through the Holy Spirit, I'm going to get the fruit of love and joy and peace. And that's Jesus Christ working out of me. In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You know, that's a beautiful scripture right there. God, Jesus Christ, loved you enough that he gave himself for you. He, he, he let himself be crucified for you. And Paul says he gave himself for me. In the same way goes for you. Guys, Jesus Christ died for you. You're special in his eyes. You might not be special to the world. You might not be special to your own family. But in God's eyes, you're very special. And he wants to be in you. And he wants to work in you. Verse 21. I do not, verse 21, Paul says, I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. He's saying this isn't some work I'm trying to do. What I'm trying, he's saying I'm not frustrating the work of God. Otherwise, I'm not trying to do some kind of work, work, work through the flesh to make God happy with me. I'm trying not to do anything and keep myself out of the way so Jesus Christ can fully use me. See, as a Christian, we're not getting it. We're trying to do it all. And we're not saying, Lord, I humble myself down and I allow you to work through me. Lord, please help me to commit... Please help me not to commit this sin. Lord, please take this away from me. Lord, please work in me. See, you're humbling yourself down and you're praying that Jesus Christ will start working in you and start living in you. You want him to do it. It's the hardest thing to get down on your knees and admit I can't stop what I'm doing. I'm too sorry and no good. Lord, will you please, through the Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus, please do it for me. And he'll do it. But you, see... The, this is the concept. You're not going to get any glory away from God. Jesus Christ gets all the glory. And, and the flesh and the man in us, uh, we, we want to get a little bit of the glory. Well, look at me. I, I go to church and I read my Bible and I try to do nice things. And I try to, see, we try to, we try to put our little selves in there. And God don't want us doing it. God said, no, it's all Jesus Christ. And I've crucified him. And Christ is living in me. See, so he gets all the glory. That's how God wants it. But look, if I do not frustrate the grace of God, for if righteousness come by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. What Paul just said there is simply this. If you can earn it, if you can earn salvation, why did Christ have to die? If a church of Christ thinks you have to earn it, you have to work, 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 work to get saved, then why did, I have to die? why did Christ have to die on the cross? He could have simply said, okay, boys, I showed you how to live it. Good luck. And he could have ascended up and avoided it. Avoided the cross. Why did he not? Because he knew you couldn't do it. And we're saved by grace, not of works, lest any man should boast. It's nothing you're going to do to get you saved. It's all Jesus Christ. See how it goes back to Jesus Christ? It always goes back to Christ. He's everything. Look at, verse, uh, look at chapter 3, look at verse 2. I want to I I hammer this home. Chapter 3, verse 2. Paul wants to hammer this home. This only would I learn of you. Paul asked him a question. Receive ye the Spirit, Holy Spirit, by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Good question. He said, okay, you, you're a born-again Christian. You've received the Holy Spirit. You know you've got God living in you. You've got that Spirit that cries out, Father, Abba. He said, did you get that by work, doing some kind of work? Or did you get that by putting your faith in Jesus Christ? 
Amen. We, if you're honest with you, you know exactly how you got saved. I got saved because I admitted I was a sinner and I put my faith in Jesus Christ and my whole world changed. And the weight was lifted off of me. And you might have been in some kind of religious system before then, working, 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 trying to do everything that religious system told you to do. And it just wasn't giving you salvation. It wasn't giving you peace. It wasn't giving you joy. And then you, one day you heard a preacher or you read your Bible or some, somewhere somehow and you said, you know what? I need to put my faith in Jesus Christ. And when you put your faith in Jesus Christ and allowed Him to do it, that's how you receive the Holy Spirit. Amen. He gets the glory. Not you. Verse 3. Are ye so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? So the question goes back to this. If you received Jesus Christ and became a born-again believer just by putting your faith in Him, why do you think you're going to work, work, work and do some kind of spiritual work? Guys, what Paul is saying to you, this is not a physical thing that we're talking about in here this morning. We're talking about something spiritual. We're not talking about some kind of, you can do this and you can do that and there's a special recipe. No, it's, what it's called is you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you allow Him to work in you, and you allow Him to do it all out of you. The fruit of the Spirit, the works of righteousness, are by Jesus Christ. In other words, everything's by Him and by the Holy Spirit working in you. Are you so foolish having begun in the Spirit? Are you now made perfect by the flesh? Turn to Romans chapter 8, please. Romans chapter 8. I'm going to point out another great truth about this, because maybe you've kind of caught on that I didn't mention some things, and this is something I need to mention. In other words, what Paul was saying is, why? You didn't get the new man, which is Jesus Christ living in you. You didn't get the new man by doing anything with the old man. The old man didn't bring about the new man. Right? The old man had nothing to do with the new man. The old man didn't want a new man. The old man was enjoying where he was at. He didn't want somebody else moving in. The old man likes to have the flesh, and he likes to control this and, and do this and do that. He didn't want that guy over there. Well, if the old man didn't bring in the new man, who brought in the new man? God. It was a spiritual process that you put, that, that old man put his faith, you put your faith into the, the Lord Jesus Christ, and by faith God brought the Holy Spirit down, now you're a new man. But the old man had nothing to do with it, and the old man still to this day hates the new man. He doesn't like to go to church, he doesn't want to read his Bible, he doesn't like gospel songs, he doesn't want to have anything to do with Jesus Christ. That's all the old man. And you see that in the world. You see that hatred for Christians in the world. They hate Jesus. And sometimes we forget that they really do hate. If, they, if we didn't have so many Christians in this country, it'd be ten times worse. They don't say what they really want to say on TV because they know the ratings would drop. But if they knew they could get away with it, they'd say a whole lot more bad about Jesus Christ. They, they, you've noticed in the last two years how much braver and bolder they've gotten? Making fun of Christians on that show The View. It's, they're crazy. Christian, you have to be crazy to be a Christian. Just saying, making fun and mocking Christianity because they're getting braver. And that's the real flesh. That's the old man. And that's what your body would do if you'd allow it, see. But you got the new man in there and the Holy Spirit's living in you. You got to let him work out of you. But I want to show you something in Romans chapter 8, verse 13. Romans chapter 8, verse 13. Here's a great truth. Please understand that this morning when I say you need to crucify the flesh. Because when you say crucify the flesh, that's horrible. But notice what it says in verse 13. 
For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. If you let this flesh control your life, Christian, it's going to kill you young. Yes, it will. Amen. It will. Because you're living in the world, and, you're living, and that's the way you'll die. Sin, the, the wages of sin is death. Verse 13, For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. But notice, but if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, ye shall live. So you're mortifying the deeds of the body. Now, what I'm pointing out this verse is it goes back to being exactly what we're saying about being crucified and crucifying the flesh and crucifying the flesh. But I'm pointing this verse out to you because it's very, very important this morning for you to understand this. It does not say, Paul never does imply and it never does say in the Bible that you need to literally take this flesh and cut yourself and beat yourself and whip yourself. What he says there is, read it with me. But, but if ye through the Spirit do mortify the deeds of the body, mortify, mortician, kill it. If you will do that to the deeds, of the, you're not doing it to your physical body, it's to the deeds. You're trying to kill these deeds that are coming out of this old flesh. You're trying to kill those deeds. It doesn't say you mortify the body, it says you mortify the deeds of the body. Very, very important. Because you have some people that, they, they, I can't stop this sin, and they start doing crazy stuff. They start hurting themselves and, and, and torturing themselves. And, you know, one of the popes, he, he, he started, he wore this wool. That, you know, if you ever wool, how itchy it is, he wore that like 24 hours a day. And they, and just to torture himself. And they say whenever that pope died, that they cut that, they cut that wool off of him. He had that long fleece wool or whatever. They cut that off of him, and on the inside it was full of maggots. He's trying to keep that flesh under subjection. He's trying to keep that flesh under subjection. Guys, this is not a physical thing you can do. It's a spiritual thing. You've got to say, Lord, I can't do it. Lord, you're going to have to do it for me. I don't want to do these deeds, but I know you, Lord Jesus, cannot, can stop me from doing it. You can do it for me, Lord. I can't not. Perfect example. The hardest thing to do as a Christian is to forgive. To me it is. Now, y'all might have a better heart. Man, I have a wicked heart. I don't want to forgive. I want to hate. I don't want to forgive nobody. So there's people that have done things to me that I do not want to forgive them for. But I know my Bible well enough and I know the Holy Spirit's been convicting me that I do need to forgive them. So I had to get down on my knees and I say, Lord, I can't forgive them. Father, you know what they did to me and I'm mad at them. I can't forgive them, Lord, but I know you and me can. Lord, will you forgive them for me, Lord? Please help me. See, you're taking down the flesh and you're beating him down and you don't like those deeds of the flesh and you're putting it in a spiritual. See, this is a spiritual process, brothers and sisters. There's not something physical you can see. That joy and peace, that's not something physical you can eat or physical you can taste or physical you can see. Joy and peace comes through the Holy Spirit. These fruits are something that's spiritual, not physical going on. So when you're mortifying, you're not mortifying your body, guys. You're not trying to beat it up. You're trying to mortify the deeds of the body. So you can live. Look at Luke chapter 9. I'm, I'm running right on time. Luke chapter 9. We might close up here. Luke chapter, let's see what our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ had to say about all this. Luke chapter 9. Luke, in, in closing, this is where we'll close. In Luke chapter 9 verse 23. Luke chapter 9 verse 23. We'll close here. Talking about crucifying yourself. Crucifying yourself. It's a soldier's duty to be a, have, live a crucified life. In other words, you've got to deny that civilian life. You've got to live your commander's duties, commander's life. You do whatever the commander says to do. 
You crucify that civilian life. You crucify that flesh. You say, I don't want to have anything. I want whatever my commander says. That's where I'm going to go. He's in control of my body. When you, that's what one of these young men, they find out. They join the military. That, well, I'm going to get all this. I'm going to get my college paid for it. And I'm going to get all these benefits. And they join the military and they, and they figure out. Two weeks in, they realize, I don't own my body anymore. <laughs> my body is owned by the U.S. government. And they tell me to run, to jump, to sit up, to do this, to do that, pull up, do this, pull up, go here, go there, get up at 5 in the morning. I don't want to get up at 5 in the morning. Get up at 5 in the morning. <laughs> and then you get out there on a battlefield and you're running along and the U.S. government says, see how they're firing at you? Yeah, run into that. I want you to run in that and I want you to attack them. They own your body and they tell you where to go and where to fight and how to do it. That's a Christian life. You don't own this body anymore, Christian. When you become a born-again believer, you're sacrificing this body to Jesus Christ. This body belongs to Jesus Christ. Paul says, know you not, you're the temple of the Holy Ghost. God owns this body. This is his temple. He's living in here. He wants to do some things with it. And if you won't let him do it and you try to live in the flesh, the Bible says he'll kill you. You'll die. He'll just take care of you. But if you'll back down and let him use your body to do some things for him, he'll let you live. Man, look at Brother Eubanks. Brother Eubanks is 78, I think. That crazy old man, he should have been dead 40 years ago. He's a pothead, smoked pot, lived out in Vegas, did everything wicked you can think of. He's still crazier than a peach archer boar, but there's one thing you cannot deny about Brother Eubanks. He does something for the Lord. He says, Lord, this is my body. I'm going to let you use it. And he's got a big old belly and everything. He should, you know, there's no reason health-wise he should be around. He doesn't even look good when you look at him sometimes. But the Lord keeps him ticking because he's doing something for the Lord. Man, look at verse 23. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. And he said, talking about Jesus, he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. That's Christian life, guys. That's a Christian walk. Is you got to deny yourself, pick up your cross, take up his cross daily. Jesus gives us a hint of what this is like. This isn't something you do every week. Guys, if you're just trying to take up, if you're just trying to crucify your flesh, just coming in here on a Sunday and saying, well, I'm going to get filled up on a Sunday, and then next Sunday I'll come back and this, and your Christian life's not going to work. It's going to be miserable. You're not going to be good for nothing. This is a daily process. I can't live your Christian life for you, and I don't want to live it for you. I don't want to give you laws and regulations. That's not what this is about. This is about a spiritual walk. This is about you having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ personally, praying to him personally. Now, if you call me up and say, Brother Keegan, I'm having some trouble. Will you pray for me about this or pray with me about it? I'd be more than happy. But you need to be praying first. Some of y'all come up to me and say, will you pray for a certain, certain relative? Well, yeah, I will, but you know, what kind of prayer can I pray? Let's be honest. You come up and say, I've got an aunt that, that's got cancer. Will you pray for her? Well, yeah, I'll pray for her, but I've never met this aunt. I don't even know what she looks like. And when I'm praying, it's like, will you, will you please heal up aunt so-and-so? Well, yeah, but I have no, I, I'm praying it, but I have no heart for it. But you, that knows that aunt, that grew up with that aunt, that loves that aunt, what kind of prayer can you give to her? Oh, Lord, please, please heal up my aunt. You'll, you'll shed some tears. You need to be living a personal relationship with Jesus Christ so you can touch him and get some things done. 
Don't be relying on the church. Don't be relying on the preacher. Don't be relying on your husband or your wife or your friend or your brother or sister to be living your Christian life. It's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And he wants it to be personal. And he says, listen, if you're going to follow me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross daily. It's a daily process. And follow me. Stop trying to lead and let God follow. I mean, stop trying to lead and let Jesus Christ lead and you follow. Follow me. For whosoever, look at verse 24, whosoever will save his life shall lose it. Whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall save it. The oxymoron of Christianity. All the time is oxymoron. (laughs) Don't make any sense. You lose your life. If you save your life, you'll lose it. You lose your life, you'll save it. But see, the, the, the key to it is, for my sake, Jesus Christ's sake. See, you, people try to look. This, people try to whoever shall, whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. So many people in the world are trying to save their life, trying to get all the money they can, doing whatever they can to take care of this body, take care of this flesh, take care of themselves, and then they're going to die without Jesus Christ and going to lose their soul in a devil's hell. That's what the Bible says. I'm not telling you something. I'm, this is not my opinion. It's what the Bible says. But if you can put your faith into Jesus Christ and allow Him to save you, then you're living that life through Jesus Christ. And even though you might lose your life, it looks like you're losing so much to the world. That's why some people don't want Christianity. They don't want to lose the world. They see the world and they think it's so much fun. And they're getting some joy out of it for a season. And they don't want to lose all of that. And they don't realize there's so much more life over here in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ says, I'll give you life and I'll give it to you more abundantly. And I lived on both sides of the fence. And so a lot of y'all have too. I lived as a wicked sinner without Jesus Christ. I lived lost going to hell. And I remember thinking I, I never could get peace. And I was just running, running, trying to do everything, drinking and alcohol, everything I could to get peace. And I could never find peace. But once I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, all oh, the peace that came into my heart. I'm not that much better of a person. I'm not saying that I'm a better person than anybody else or that I live a better life. I've just got a peace about me that I can't explain. That Sister Colleen, you know, glorifying and the peace that she has, knowing that she has maybe months to live. Who knows what the Lord's got in plan for her? Who knows? But that only comes through Jesus Christ. See, I'm not offering you me. I'm not offering you Indian Gap Baptist Church. I'm not offering you to get baptized. I'm not offering you anything to do with some kind of work. What I'm offering to you is the man Jesus Christ. The man Jesus Christ that not only died on the cross, he went and was buried for three days, and he rose again. I'm offering you a living Savior. I'm not turning to you and saying, hey, come to Muhammad who's dead, whose bones are in a grave. Come to Buddha who has good teachings, who's dead in a grave. I'm not trying to offer you somebody who's dead in a grave. I'm offering you somebody who's alive, who can walk through those back doors right now. Jesus Christ. And he said, follow me. Deny yourself and follow me. The problem is, we lose our life into so much other than Jesus Christ. We lose our life into everything but Jesus Christ. We lose our life into alcohol. We lose our life into drugs. We lose our life into our job. We lose our life into our spouses. We lose our life into our grandkids, our kids. We lose our life into so much the world has to offer. And we won't lose our life into Jesus Christ. Some of us understand. You know, some of us have lost our life into different people. Maybe uh, ex-wives or 
drugs or sex or whatever. We lose our life into that lifestyle and we think that's what we should do. And, we lo- and then it, it's very unsatisfying. And we need to turn and we need to lose our life into Jesus Christ. <laughs> I've never been dissatisfied with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has never done anything wrong to me. Jesus Christ has been the best friend I've ever had. I can't praise Jesus Christ enough to you. He's everything to me. You know, uh, Kathy Cave was at school and they had, uh, they had this guy come in. He was, a pi- he was a pirate. And he was like a motivational spe- speaker. He was a Christian. But he was a motivational. And he showed up at the school and he was dressed like a pirate. And he, he, he pulled around this big pirate ship. I mean, it's kind of goofy. Really, it wasn't kind of goofy. It was goofy. But for kids, I guess they love that kind of stuff. And she came home and she said, you know what that guy said? And, and when she told me what that guy said, I was like shocked. I said, you know, that's so simple, but it's so profound. He came into the meeting and all those kids are in there and he says, I want to tell y'all something. You're not a winner. Hear a pin drop. You're not a winner. You know. Because that's what the world does. The world says, oh, you're a winner, you're a winner, you're a winner, you're a winner. I think I can, I think I can, I think I can, you know. He says, you're not a winner. And you're not a loser. You're a chooser. Your life is not if you're winning or if you're losing. It's what you're choosing. And that goes so, that applies so well to all of this. You're not a winner or a loser. It's, it's, it's all about choices. Are you choosing to fulfill the lust of the flesh? Are you choosing to do what the old man wants to do? Or are you choosing this day to say, I'm going to allow Jesus Christ to work through me and I'll have a whole lot more abundant life and have so much more joy and peace? Amen. Look, God's wonderful. He give, you the, he give you the beautiful gift of free choice. Amen. You don't have to choose it. You want to live like that? Go. We know, I, know, I know hundreds of people living like that. And they seem to be okay. They seem to be living all right. They got the nice car. They li- they're living everything for the world. And if you talk to them about Christ, they almost laugh at you. Like, what do I need Jesus for? But the Bible warns us that there's a day coming. There's a payday coming. And that without Jesus Christ, they're going to stand before God. And he's not going to be their father like we have him as a father. They're going to stand before God, and God's going to be like he's behind this pulpit right here, and he's going to be a judge. And he's a righteous, holy judge, and he's going to judge you for every sin you've ever done. Can you imagine that? All those sins you have hidden in the closet, all those things you don't want nobody to know about, they're all going to be brought to light before God at the judgment day. And he's a holy judge. A holy and a just judge cannot show grace. He can only sentence you. And Revelation 20 says he'll take you and look for your name written in the Lamb's book of life and he won't find it. And he'll say, cast them into a devil's hell. And the angels will take you and cast you into a devil's hell. And if you have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, when you die and you go to heaven, you're not standing before God as a judge. You're standing before God as a father. You know what a father does? A father runs and he grabs his kids and he kisses them. The prodigal son. I love you. I don't care what you've been doing. I love you. See, you want to become part of the family of God. You want to become a part of the family. You might not know it, but that's where you want to be. Because all this stuff the world has to offer, it's only for a season. It's only for a little time. And it's all going to pass away.
Only things that you do for Christ are going to last, and they're all eternal. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I want to thank you that you give us salvation in Jesus Christ, Father. And Lord, as I, as I come to you, Father, humbly, Lord, I'm asking, Lord, if there's somebody, they can't think of a time that they've received Jesus Christ, Lord. Maybe they don't know if they were to die tonight, if they go to heaven or hell, Lord God. I, Father, I just pray as we give the invitation and we sing these songs, Lord God, that you'll speak to their heart the truth, Lord, and they'll come on down here and get saved, Lord. And Father, I want to thank you for my salvation. Father, I know you didn't get a good deal when you saved me. Father, I know I'm no good. I'm sorry, Lord, I still mess up, Lord. I know I embarrass you, Father, but I want to thank you that you loved me way before I loved you. And Lord, I want to thank you, Father, that you put up with me. Lord, you put up with my flesh and the things I do, Father. I want to thank you for that. And I want to thank you for your long-suffering and your grace. And I want to thank you above all else, God, that you allow me to call you Father. I don't deserve to be a son of yours. And the only way I can get into this is through the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. And I thank you for him. And Lord, I thank you for your Holy Spirit that lives in us, Lord God, that works out of us, Father. And help us as we do something for you, Lord, not to give ourselves the credit, but give you, Lord Jesus, all the honor and glory. I'm praying this in the name of my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you would go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3, verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world, but... Verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it and if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. 
Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13, he sums it up, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care upon him.